Hi everyone, I'm Suzanne Ricci, the Chief Success Officer at Computer Coach, and you're tuning into Talent Acquisition Talks, where job seekers get real-world advice from the top talent acquisition professionals, recruiters, career coaches, resume writers, and more. I'm asking the questions that you want the answers to, so let's get to it. Welcome everyone. Welcome to this month's episode of Talent Acquisition Talks. We are here with Monica Angel. Monica is the Chief Strategy Officer at Older Lundy Alvarez and Koch based in Tampa, Florida. Monica, it's great to have you here. And I have to tell you, I am really looking forward to our conversation. Well, thank you. I am too. And thank you for having me. It's always so fun to talk to you. You know, Monica, you have a very unique situation, and this is why I invited you here today. I think our listeners need to hear about your situation, right? You have uniquely always found job opportunities that are in what we call the hidden job market. So why don't you, let's start by telling our listeners more about you. Sure. So as you mentioned, I'm the chief strategy officer for Older Lundy, Alvarez and Koch. We um, we're attorneys. It's in a law firm here based in Tampa. We do also have offices in Clearwater, Dade City and Trinity, and they're continuing to grow. Um, and I did get this job, as you mentioned, out of the hidden job market. Uh, the last time I actually applied for a job, I was discussing this with my husband last night in preparation of today, and it was about 20 years ago. So largely my career career has been built off of relationships. That is amazing. You have really perfected the art of finding opportunities without them being publicly advertised. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. I think it it kind of comes from two different places. It's finding opportunities and being willing to put yourself out there and saying to somebody, you know what, I really would like to work here. What do you have available? Even if they don't have a job posting or anything listed or anything like that, but just, I like it here. I'd like to work here. Let's see if we can find a place for me. So there's that side of it. And there's another side of it, which is building a reputation of, of working hard, trying hard and doing your best for your clients and your customers that kind of precedes you. And so in some circumstances, I think that has held true, which sounds terribly arrogant to say, but building a good relationship has opened those opportunities where somebody will pick up the phone and call and say, hey, we have this opening coming up. Would you consider taking this role before they're actually posting it anywhere or putting it onto the actual job market? That's great. So for our listeners, I just want to make sure that we're clear though. You apply for jobs because legally you're required to, right, before you start working. But for the most part, you're not going through an applicant tracking system. You're not spending eight hours a day in front of your computer hitting apply, apply, apply. Is that correct? That's correct. I've literally never sat in front of my computer and applied for a job in that way. Um, I'm not really familiar with that process because I've never done it. Um, I did comically um, when I was taking my my last role, which was at Synapse, which is a great organization if your listeners aren't familiar with it. Um, but yes, that was that was one where I was told we need an actual resume and an application for you. And so I did create a resume at that time and um, and create, you know, fill out the application and all of that. So, but that larger sitting down, going through the LinkedIn jobs and all of that, I've been incredibly fortunate to not have to go through that very stressful process. That's great. So you do a lot of this through relationship building, correct? Yes. 
Yes, very much so. I believe very strongly that relationships matter and relationships are important. And being there for other people and serving them in the best way that you can ultimately at some points will serve you too. So let's start talking about that because I think that's really where job seekers find opportunities in the hidden job market, right? Is based on relationships. Absolutely. How do you start to create these relationships? Walk me through that. What, what's a, what's it look like for you? Oh, goodness. So I really think that relationships can be built anywhere. So we certainly can go to the networking events or hire services of different companies that are available to help connect you with other people, you know, and and I've done that where I've shown up for every chamber of commerce event and every possible networking event that God has created for us to connect with other people. And so you certainly have that aspect of networking where we're all there for the same reason and it's to build those relationships. But I think there's also the more personal side. You know, I have a daughter who takes ballet. So sitting and talking with the other parents while she's in class and chatting with them about what they do and what I do and seeing if there's a way that I can be helpful to them in some way. I'm a big proponent of being helpful before ever asking for help and building those relationships. So this may seem silly, but I get asked all the time, or I get told, I should say, by job seekers, Mm -hmm. I don't want to go to a happy hour. Like it's not my thing, but it doesn't sound like you're building relationships at only happy hours. So talk to me about that. Sure. So, I mean, I've, I've certainly been to my fair share of happy hours and I, and I understand that. I think the timing of it can actually be really hard for people, especially if they're parents, because you've got school pickup and you have these different things to do. And there's plenty of people who don't drink, so don't want to just be sitting around a happy hour. Um, so I, I understand that. But I think while those events have their purpose and can be really helpful, there's so many other places where you can more organically meet people. Say you have a similar interest, so you go to an event where, you know, there's stages and people are talking. And, you know, I mentioned Synapse earlier, certainly when Summit is back in person, that's a great opportunity to go. And we have these great organizations here who provide educational opportunities where you're still all sitting in the same room. So it's not necessarily a happy hour. You're there to learn, but you already know that the other people in the room are interested in the same things that you are. I love making connections at events like that because you have talking points. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's so easy. It's such an easy end. <laughs> you just talk about whatever the presentation was about. So let me ask you something. Do you have any hard rules that you follow when you're out networking or so let's not talk about when we're out, you know, building relationships with other parents that are at ballet like that. I understand. But if you are going to that educational event, do you have hard rules? Like I want to make three connections or I only drink water or I love the, uh, the, what do they call it? The Irish goodbye, right? Do you leave without saying goodbye? Do you have rules like that? So I wouldn't say that I have necessarily those same rules, but yes, there are best practices that I tend to follow. Um, One is I really can't stand being at a networking event where someone has been drinking too much. I find it rude. I find it disrespectful to the other people who are there. Plus it just makes you look bad. Um, So definitely limiting that, whether it's limiting it to, to water or just, you know, the one glass of wine that you walk around with all night and it's hot by the time you're getting ready to go. Um, I think that it's important to be 
on your best behavior and putting your best foot forward. I also like to dress up a bit, especially for events like that. You never know who you're going to meet. And my mother told me a very long time ago that you should dress for the part that you want. And so I, I think that that's important. And the last one I think is probably my strongest rule about a networking event would be business cards. Use those business cards. So when I leave an event, I have, you know, just like anybody else, a stack of business cards and I go home and I pull out a pen and I write on the backs of each of them where I met the person and something to help me remember who that person is, especially if it's an event where you're walking out with 35 business cards. Sometimes you're not going to remember who everybody was, but for me, that helps in the follow-up. I also think it's just kind of wasteful to go to a networking event and not follow up with anybody that you've met. So that really would be my one hard and fast rule. If you get somebody's business card, there's a reason for it. Call them, email them, something, make some sort of further connection. Otherwise, it was just a waste of time. So let's talk about that because you hit on one of my uh, keywords that I use quite a bit, especially for job seekers, which is follow up. Because statistically, I don't know if you know this, but it's said that only 20% of people follow up. And in the job search process or in networking, if you really want to stand out, follow up. So what do you do to follow up? I know you said that you, you know, sometimes you'll call, maybe you'll send an email, but how do you take the relationship one step further in your opinion? I think, I don't think that there's one simple thing to do that works in every circumstance, right? So there are going to be people that I think that I meet and go, wow, you know, I love what they do. That's great. But I don't know that there's something I can specifically do to help them in their journey at that moment. So reaching out with a call or an email, something to simply say, it was great to meet you, or we connect on LinkedIn, something like that, something kind of soft, I guess is the best way of saying it. Um, but there's a different bucket of people where you've met them. You're excited because you met them. You know that there's something that you could do to help them in their journey, whether it's another connection to make for them and, oh, you should meet so-and-so, um, which is kind of my favorite way to go about it. When I've met somebody new is introduce them to somebody else that can also help them if I can't. And, um, Generally in doing that, I'll set up a coffee or a breakfast. I feel like it's easier to schedule a coffee or a breakfast than you know, a lunch. Um, we all get so busy throughout the course of a day that it can be nice to just pop into La Segunda or somewhere like that, grab a cup of coffee together, chat over what you can do for one another and take it from there. Let it be a little bit more organic. Now you mentioned that you always look for what you can do for the other person before you ask for anything. Mm -hmm. That is some great advice right there. So I hope our listeners write that down, star it, because that is one of the things I have found in coaching job seekers for the last 20 years that really does help, right? You want to make sure that you're giving before you're getting. So Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, there's there's actually a book by this title, but build the well before you're thirsty, build that relationship before you need something from somebody I can't stand when I meet somebody and the very next day they've sent me their sales pitch that to me is not. Um, it doesn't feel personal. It doesn't feel real. I'm just a sales lead at that point. So I certainly don't want to do anything that puts anybody else in a position where they feel like a sales lead. Yeah, you know, it really is about building an authentic and trusted connection. And I agree with you, you know, my LinkedIn, I get a request and the next thing I accept it. And the next thing I know, I have a whole sales pitch in my inbox. And then I have four emails automated after that, that say, just in case you didn't get my first email or my mm -hmm. next 
Mm-hmm. I had a lady yesterday who did exactly that. And I have created a rule because LinkedIn can get very congested where if that happens, I automatically delete the connection because it wasn't real to begin with. Um, so I did that and she sent me an email and then called. I responded to her email, a polite no thank you. And then she called again. And this was all within the course of maybe a 12 hour span. And I thought, not only is this just kind of poor form, I feel like you're now disrespecting my time because I've been polite. I have explained to you that this isn't gonna work for me. This isn't something I need right now. And you're pushing forward anyway. Now I really am just a sales lead. I'm not a person. And I don't care for that, um, that way of going about it. You know, so much in that world is automated now that I also find it difficult to know, like, is this authentic or is it actually just an automated message? Well, here's a fun trick for that. Um, As you may have noticed on my LinkedIn, I go by Monica Angel, of course, my name, and then there's a dash and it says Cure Kids Cancer Now, which is the foundation that my husband and I started and run um, that primarily funds brain cancer research designed for children. But the fun part about that as it relates to LinkedIn is when they do those automated messages, it just pulls your first name. So it says Monica Angel Dash as opposed to, hi, Monica, everything's hi, Monica, angel dash. And that's when I instantly know like, this is not a person we're done here. (laughs) That's a great tip. Let me ask you, do you have a networking formula that you use? For example, one breakfast per week, one happy hour, one happy hour per month. Do you have a formula? You know, I've never really thought about it as it relates to networking, but I think the only real goal I have that would fall in line with that is I believe that it's important to help somebody else every day. So I do that in both a personal capacity and both end of professional capacity. And I think by doing so, those things happen more organically. If my end goal is what I can get out of everything, people can feel that people can see that people know. And when we're being inauthentic and especially this year where we're in each other's living rooms and in each other's homes and everything is upside down, no one wants to waste their time. It's too precious. And so having those more authentic communications with people, because I just want to do the right thing, I think is more effective for me personally to look at it from those perspectives, than what can I get out of this? And am I just checking it off of a list? Great stuff. So let me ask you for our introverted friends, you and I are both extroverted, right? So having (laughs) conversations with people, it's not you know, it's not something that really gives us anxiety all the time, but I recognize that for, you know, people that are more introverted, networking events can be very anxiety provoking. What advice would you have for listeners who, you know, they're introverted and that's okay? Sure. So first and foremost, I think it's important to note that being an introvert is not a bad thing. So it's not something to necessarily shy away from. You know, we all have different strengths in different areas. And so identifying what strengths you do have and playing into those is really helpful. Um, I do think while I've never been an introvert, (laughs) as you mentioned, I'm very extroverted. There have certainly been situations where I'm uncomfortable. Um, Certainly when I was younger, I felt very uncomfortable going to some of these events where I thought, you know, people are going to think I don't belong here or in different industries where I was one of few women in the room. That certainly can be the case as well. And so just powering through those and knowing within myself that I am good at what I do so I can stand a little bit taller and kind of fake it till you make it in those moments, even if I don't feel confident in that moment, behaving as if I am, I think is helpful. And going back to the people who really, truly are introverted, I think that there's like some tips and tricks that I've read in different articles and stuff along the way. One is don't talk about business. 
Don't talk about business. Most of the other people you're in the room with are also probably pretty uncomfortable. Walk up and learn about them. Ask them if they, you know, do they have kids? What's their favorite sports team? Where did they get their favorite takeout during COVID? You know, those kinds of more personal conversations feel more organic anyway, and don't feel quite as daunting. And if you feel like you can only get through just talking to one person that whole time, let that be okay. You don't have to go find five other people and have 30 second conversations with each of them where you're sweating bullets and you're miserable the whole time. If you can build one real connection, that's great. That's good enough. So true. Cause that one real connection can lead you to 10 more trusted connections. So that's great advice. Let's switch course just for a minute. We talked about building our own network, building trusted relationships. We've talked about the importance of giving before we get. What about in situations where you would like to meet someone? And I find this quite a bit with job seekers, right? We tell them quite a bit, try to get referrals into companies, right? If you can get a referral into a company, you're at least going to get your resume looked at at that point. But what about a situation where you didn't have the connection but someone in your network did. What advice would you give for job seekers? Because in this particular case, you want the connection. So how do you give before you get in that situation? So in that situation, listen, if it's about your job, it's about your livelihood, call in your chit, right? If that's the the connection that you need to use, you call and say, hey, listen, I hate to do this, but I really want a job at this place. I see you know so-and-so. Would you mind making an introduction or would you mind putting in a good word for me? You know, so much of the workforce is built this way, right? Where it's it's all these different connections. And I'm certainly the byproduct of that in many circumstances. I believe that you use what you have. And so it's important to build those relationships as best you can. But ideally speaking, you would have already done something for that person. So you're not really just calling out of nowhere because six months ago, when you originally met them, you did something for them then. And over the last six months, you've done what you can to help support them over time. So you're not just calling in that random favor. If you are calling in that random favor when you have not had a relationship with that person, you know, it it takes some courage to do it. But I say, if that's the only way that you think you can really get your dream job, take your shot. We talked a little bit in the very beginning about finding companies that you say, you know what, I would just like to work here. What Mm -hmm. type of opportunities do you have? I would love to work here. Let's explore that more. How do you recommend individuals go about doing that? There's a couple of different ways to go about it, certainly in different industries. If your lifestyle permits it, interning beforehand is a great way of doing that, learning more about the company itself, whether you're interning or volunteering or helping out in some way, start getting connected to that company. By doing so, you might identify some some misses that they have or some blank spots that you really could fill and that you could be helpful with. And then you pitch that to them and say, hey, I loved being here. Here's this thing that I realized could be done better or somebody's not doing it, here's an opportunity that exists here that you may not be aware of. But good news, I can solve that problem for you. You know, come to them both with the problem and yourself as the solution. So important. You know, I've always told every employee that's ever worked for me, don't come with just a problem. If you're going to come to me with a problem, come with a solution. And I love the idea of job seekers framing it as if the solution is their presence (laughs) at the company. I love that. Absolutely. 
Now, building trusted relationships really does take time. And I know you more than our listeners may. And I know how much you have on your plate. I mean, you have mentioned the nonprofit that you and your husband, you know, you started, you still run, you have family, you're working. How do you prioritize and continue to grow and maintain your network? Well, truth be told, the priority is my family comes before all of the rest of it. That's just the truth. Um, it does make things harder, right? When you've got a spouse or a long-term relationship that you're managing plus children and other responsibilities. And now of course, you know, there are people who are taking care of their parents or, or, you know, other family responsibilities that they have. I am a big proponent of putting that first. The people that I have worked with and currently work with have always respected that. And so that's, that's important to me. So truth be told, networking is always going to fall to the bottom of that list. Um, my responsibilities to my family come first, my responsibilities to my employer and my coworkers come first. I think it's really important to have responsibilities to your coworkers as well. You never know where um, you can help each other. Sometimes it feels like we're in competition with other coworkers, depending on our industry. But I think it's really important to know that your job is not only for working for your boss, but working for your fellow employees. So that's round two. And round three then becomes you know, growth, professional growth, personal growth, any of that kind of stuff. Um, and some of it for me really is a lot of fun. You know, I think doing a good job for me makes me proud. And part of me being able to do a good job is building those relationships and nurturing those relationships. I would much rather spend time nurturing relationships that I, than I, that I already have versus struggling to create new ones. But sometimes that's just the nature of the beast. You know, when I changed industries a couple of years ago, that's exactly what I had to do because I didn't know anybody in the <laughs> industry that I was going to be walking into. You, Suzanne, were one of the first ones I met at a witty event. And I was like, I don't belong here. <laughs> I really don't belong here. Um, but I think being honest about that was really helpful with people went, okay, well, we're going to help you along. And, you know, that vulnerability can be really helpful, but I think knowing what you need in that moment and taking, taking the time to make that happen and knowing that some days it's just not going to work, right? If you say you're going to be somewhere, you have to be somewhere, but don't overcommit to so many things that you really just can't do it and can't do it well. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the follow-up, right? If I've signed myself up for five networking events, in a, the course of a week, do I really have the time to follow up with everybody I've met? Probably not. So it's more effective, I believe, to do fewer events and take real time to follow up and nurture those relationships with fewer people because the relationships will matter more. I think that's some great advice. And I see that, especially in job seekers, because there's so much out there about, you know, you need to network to find a job. And I was actually just having this conversation with somebody yesterday where they had mentioned that they had spent so much time networking. They had taken a temporary position, which they had pretty much disappeared. And now they're out looking again. And it's almost as if they don't have any connections because everybody that they met the first time they were networking has kind of moved on and because you weren't really being authentic in your connection and continuing to reach out or communicate those people kind of feel like oh well did you really want to make a connection with me so i think that's some great advice you're better off having fewer networking events and really being able to make authentic connections and grow trusted relationships than having 50 business cards 
Absolutely. I mean, listen, if you look at the firm that I'm working with, right, older Lundy Alvarez and Koch, it's largely based on referrals. Our business is largely based on referrals. How does that work? Why does that work? It works because they've nurtured these relationships over all these years. And so they've been able to grow into one of the largest law firms in Florida by doing that, by just being a trusted resource and nurturing the relationships that they have, both with their clients, but also with other attorneys and nurturing those relationships. It doesn't mean that we have to, you know, be best friends with absolutely everybody. That's not the point, but showing up where you say you're going to show up and being good and being, um, being authentic. You know, I think we've used that word quite a few times today, but it's, it's worth repeating those authentic connections, those authentic reputations, those authentic people tend to make those connections easier because you're really doing it. It's not checking it off of a list and it's not self-serving. And you know, what I would add to that is I, I feel like getting comfortable being uncomfortable is really important, right? Like mm-hmm. you said, you've walked into events where you didn't really know what the topic was, but you were okay saying, I don't know. So yeah. And you know, I think to that end, um, a man I used to work with, he and I used to make this joke, which sounds terribly crass, but I'll, I'll give it a little bit of background. Um, when you're talking about being comfortable in the uncomfortable, you know, we mentioned the foundation that I run and we fund brain cancer research design for babies because we had a baby who died of brain cancer, which is atrocious, but it also meant that we learned how to be uncomfortable and and live anyway. And, um, I think it's a, it's very helpful in putting things into perspective. And so the crass thing that he and I used to say is how bad of a day can it be? Nobody died today. And really, I think that that can be true if I'm uncomfortable in a situation, I can fall back to that and go, really, is that really that bad? And sometimes that that bad is is real for people. And certainly when you're looking for a job, that bad can be, I'm not going to make my mortgage payment or my rent payment, or I'm not going to be able to feed my kids. So I don't mean to be dismissive of that in any way. It can be that bad. But if you're not in that spot, take a breather, offer yourself some grace and pick up and try again tomorrow. I love that. Offer yourself grace. I feel like we need to do that as a society more. That is wonderful. So let's actually talk about what do you think the biggest mistake you see people make in networking is? Oh, getting drunk at an event. I can't stand it. I cannot stand it. It's just so Oh, I'm struggling to find the right word, but I think disrespectful is probably at the top of that list. Being hammered at a professional event to me is completely inappropriate, especially like hammered enough to like take your shoes off or something. It's just bad. It's poor form. Um, I think that that's really, really unfortunate. Um, Taking a seat at an event, meaning registering for it and just no showing not great. Um, and you know, unfortunately you were just telling me about a time that I know showed you and that's horrible. You know, if that happens, pick up the phone and apologize, fix it, make it right. Be respectful of other people's time. Um, but really I think you were talking about it best when you said, why bother if you're not going to follow up? So my, my two big no-goes for, for an event like that would be don't bother going if you're not going to follow up because there's just no reason for it. And realize that you're in a professional setting, dress like a professional, act like a professional, behave like a professional, and then follow up like a professional. You know, those are, that's some great advice. And I think what our listeners really should know about networking, if you are going to employ networking strategies in your job search, is that if you don't follow up, 
and I see you at an event again, I'm going to remember. And I feel like when people are out networking, they think like, oh, nobody's going to remember if I drank too much, if I didn't follow up. And the truth is, is that we do remember, and not that I'm going to, you know, judge you or whatever, but if you come and ask me for another business card and say, oh, I'm going to follow up with you, mm-hmm. I'm really thinking that you're not going to. That reminds me of one other that I think would be a good tip for people is as you're walking up to somebody at an event, don't ask them their name, give them yours. It's a safer way in my view of doing it because they can, they can then say, oh no, we've met before. And you go, oh, of course, but you know, it's been a while. So I just want to make sure you knew what my name was. And now you're being polite, but going up and introducing yourself to somebody who you've met 15 times before is never a good look for anybody. And it's so embarrassing on both sides of that equation. So I think it was actually my dad who said, just walk up and always introduce yourself first and they'll take care of it from there. Then you'll find out if you've actually met before or not. Certainly do your best to remember people, but sometimes, you know, it gets hard when you need a lot of people to remember everybody by name. You know, especially now in the virtual world, I was just having this conversation with somebody earlier. Like we have now been almost a year in virtual networking, virtual this, virtual that. And I am afraid that I may not recognize somebody in the face-to-face world that I've had some great conversations with in the virtual world. So I love that tip that your dad gave. That's some great stuff right there. Absolutely. Well, thankfully, I think for at least a few months, we'll have masks that we can blame it on. Um, oh, I didn't recognize you under that mask. But at some point, we do have to get back to the, back to the real world and, um, and be held accountable for who we know and don't know. That's great. I'm behind the mask. I'm looking forward to not being behind the mask. So sure. Looking forward to that. Monica, thank you so much for your time today. Do you have any last minute advice for our listeners? No, I think the only thing I would want to reiterate is to build the well before you're thirsty. Take those opportunities now. You know, hopefully your listeners aren't just people who are actively seeking employment right now, but people who are happy in their jobs and you never know what's going to happen. Start building those relationships or nurture the relationships that you already have and show up for other people. It tends to work out. But thank you, Suzanne, so much for having me. This is a lot of fun and I really appreciate it. Well, I look forward to talking with you soon and you've given our listeners some great takeaways and some great tips on really how to start uncovering opportunities in the hidden job market. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Talent Acquisition Talks. I don't know about you, but I have some great takeaways. Good luck in your job search and feel free to reach out to us at computercoach.com if you have any questions or ideas you would like us to cover in an upcoming episode.